Hello and welcome to a very special episode of the Cult Film Companion Podcast, the home of movies that are off, under, and ahead of the cinematic radar. My name is Chris, and I am your host. For this episode, I am joined by the director of the documentary, Valerie, all about the actress, Valerie Perrine, that is available as of today, when this episode is being released, so anytime from now forward, a documentary all about her life, career, and her current situation, dealing with some medical issues, are all addressed in the movie. All the information about the movie can be found at www.valeriemovie.com, and if you're in a position to do so, I urge you to consider donating to her GoFundMe page to help alleviate some of the financial stress that medical bills have put on her. So for this episode, I am joined by Stacy Souther, Valerie Perrine's longtime friend who had full access to her and her archives and has put together an absolutely beautiful documentary all about her, her life, and her career, featuring appearances from many, many of her co-stars throughout the years. And I welcome you to enjoy this episode. Just a couple notes. There was a faulty microphone that has now been replaced and a less than stellar internet connection between the East Coast and the West Coast. So me and my audio engineer have worked very hard to make this as clear and less jarring as possible. But I wanted to be able to provide this opportunity for... Stacy to talk all about his documentary and all about Valerie Perrine's illustrious career from her film debut in Slaughterhouse Five to co-starring with Dustin Hoffman and Lenny that earned her Academy Award nomination up through her role as Miss Tessmacher in Superman to the cult favorite Can't Stop the Music and various TV appearances as well as her early life. This interview is full of fascinating stories that you probably will not hear anywhere else. So I welcome you to enjoy this interview because the stories are incredible. And like I said to Stacy when we were talking, there should be a biopic of this woman's life. She's a, an incredibly underrated actress in my opinion, and I cannot recommend the documentary again, Valerie, available now. Please check it out. You will not be disappointed. And please bear with the technical issues and enjoy this episode because it is a must-listen, warts and all. So thank you so much. Hi there. I want to talk to you about ducks. No thanks. What is it? All right, now that's a good idea. Okay, let's go. Give me that story. Oh, it's a story. What? What are you thinking about a plate of shrimp? Suddenly somebody will say, like, plate or shrimp or plate of shrimp. Out of the blue, no explanation, no point. Look, it's all part of cosmic unconsciousness. Come on! I'm listening to reason. 
Hello and welcome back to the Cult Film Companion Podcast, the home of movies that are off, under, and ahead of the cinematic radar. Today I'm bringing you a very special episode about a documentary that you're going to want to make sure to add to your cinematic radar. And this wonderful documentary is entitled Valerie, and I am so happy and and excited to have the very talented uh, director of this documentary, Stacy Souther, with me. Um, good afternoon to you. Thank you so much for joining me. Hey, thank you for having me. I really appreciate, um, really appreciate you taking the time for this. Oh no, it was my pleasure, and um, I was. Uh, you were you were kind enough to to send me a copy of the movie, and wow, I that's. I'm just I was just blown away. It's 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 an absolutely touching beautiful movie and uh my my only critique is that uh I found it to be a little short and I, I I'm hoping that we can maybe get into it and um but first uh just a brief introduction about yourself. I know that you're uh not only a, a, a documentary director, but you're also a producer, a writer, and an actor. And uh, just give us a, a little a little background about yourself before we get into this wonderful documentary, if you don't mind. Sure, sure. Um, well, I'm originally from Georgia. I moved to California, to L.A. specifically, in 1999 to be an actor. And I worked around, you know, trying to make that happen for several years. And... I fell into filmmaking. I'll give you the short of it because I have a, a habit of making things long. But, okay, um, take your time. Um, what happened was this something totally separate. This this little project came up, and I am friends with Christina and David Arquette, and they were dating at the time. This is before they were married, but this little project came up, and David said to Christina, oh, Stacy can shoot it, you know, uh, talk to him. She got in touch with me, and I was like, uh, I, I've never picked a camera up. I don't know anything about a camera. I don't. I can't do it. And then, she, you know, David said, it's really easy. You can use my camera. And I literally kind of got thrown into shooting something, and I had a knack for it. You know, I just, I don't know if it was from acting or just me being a, a I noticed things going on around me, uh, but those things really came in handy, and that is how I fell into filmmaking and the producing stuff. Uh, same thing, like I'm a producer on You Cannot Kill David Arquette, the documentary, and if you haven't seen that, everybody should see it because it's this amazing, crazy story about how David won the heavyweight champion belt in 2000 and you know he, he literally was promoting a movie and they said oh you're going to win the belt he kind of didn't want to because he was coming in off the streets and they were like oh you'll get to hang out with the, all the wrestlers for like two weeks and travel and all this cool stuff and David was a huge, huge wrestling fan so he jumped at the chance and he was kind of after that he I think at one point they might have labeled him the most hated man in wrestling like he destroyed wrestling or something was something somebody said so that documentary was he wanted to 
he wanted to clear his name and he wanted to earn the respect of the fans and and the wrestling community and and he did like that movie is very raw and uh it's it's a good little movie i think it's on hulu right now so if anybody wants to watch that it's a good one and i'm i pop up in it and i was a producer on it yeah, I I wasn't going to I because we were gonna keep our focus on your 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 latest work, but I was gonna say I have actually seen I've seen the documentary you you cannot kill David Arquette and I can't recommend it enough either. You do not need to be a fan of professional wrestling to enjoy the movie. I um I remember when he I remember when this happened in two thousand uh, when he won I think he was promoting something something. 50 miles ready to Graceland. To uh, it was ready oh, to it was rumble. ready to rumble. That's that. Right. And uh, yeah, they put the, um, at the time, this, the, uh, the second biggest uh, wrestling company besides the WWF was the WCW and they put the title on him and, and uh, yeah, some people absolutely lost their minds, but no, uh, you cannot kill David Arquette is an absolutely uh, brilliant documentary. And it's a great, it's a great story. Um, speaking of great stories, I, I want to get into this. How did you initially meet Miss um, Valerie Perrine? Um, I met Valerie in 2006. We met, we live in the same neighborhood. And we, we bumped into each other walking our dogs. And it was like, a, my dog was, my dog thought the neighborhood was his neighborhood. So he was a little growly. And I said, just let him say hi, and then, then it'll be cool. He won't ever growl again. Quick hello. I didn't know who she was. She had a big floppy hat on, her big sunglasses, kind of the Valerie Perrine look. And, you know, we went our separate ways. And then I'd say maybe about a week and a half later or something, I bumped into her again. We started chatting. She's like, what do you do? I said, I'm an actor. What do you do? I'm an actress. So I was like, oh, that's cool. And we chat a little bit more. And then she, since she's such a huge animal lover, she used to take her dog to some kind of hidden away place to, to go on these walks. And so she invited me to bring come with her and bring my dog sometime. I was like, yeah, that sounds cool. So at the time, I, I didn't have it. There weren't smartphones or anything. I didn't even have a phone on me at the time. And she, uh, she was giving me her email address. And this is how long ago it was. It was a Hotmail address. So, and it was her, something, it was her name, you know, Valerie Bryant at Hotmail or something like that. And uh, and we chatted a little bit more, and then I got back to it, and I said, I, you know, I'm sorry, I'm really bad with names. Uh, and she goes, do you know what IMDB is? I'm like, yeah, sure, of course, I'm an actor. She's like, did you ever see the movie Lenny? And I was like, no, I mean, I kind of know what it is, but I haven't seen it. She literally goes, did you ever see Superman? It's like, yeah, of course. She goes, I was Miss Tessmacher. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, 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 you are. And the funny thing is, just a weird little add-on, like a year before that, I would say, I was home, had a really bad cold, just trying to, you know, chill out and get better, and I was watching Superman, which I'd seen, you know, 50 times, I don't know. And as I'm watching it, I thought, I literally, this crossed my mind. I thought, whatever happened to that lady? Mm. And then, then I find out, you know, I, I meet her and she lives right next to me. And then all this happened. So it was pretty, uh, pretty odd little uh, coincidence, I guess. 
you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because when I was first, what happened was that I just happened to retweet um, something that she had posted on Twitter and she reached out to me and I was like, I was like, and then I, then I looked her up on INDB and I was like, oh my God, because I remember seeing Lenny years ago and she, she was nominated for an Academy Award and what, quite frankly, easily, easily could have won for that. I mean, right. Yeah, I mean, and for those of you, we're going to be talking uh, several of the movies throughout her career. I would say that um, just Lenny is just, it's kind of like that movie that you want to say that this, if, you know, if anyone questions someone's acting ability, you say this is this is the one to, to kind of say. But I, my first exposure to her as an actress was, was be, just because of my age, was just because I grew up with the Superman movies. Of course. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, it's very interesting that you say, like, whatever happened to her, because, you know, we unfortunately know what happened with, with, with Christopher Reeve, which is, you know, just terrible. And also, what unfortunately, what happened with Margot Kidder. Um, and we all, you know, uh, Gene Hackman is still, I think he's retired from acting. But, yeah, she's, like, the one, she's the one that you're just like, wow, I wonder what happened to her. And, um I mean, so many times people, you know, people that I, you know, that I get introduced to or I meet or, or whatnot, you know, be chatting and they're like, oh, what do you, what do you do or what are you doing or whatever. I'll be like, I'm doing this documentary about Valerie Prine and they'll be like, Who, who's that? Or they'll, or they'll be the other, be like, oh, I love her. What happened to her? But the ones who don't know, I'll be like, did you ever see Superman? They're like, oh, and they're like, oh, Margaret, uh, uh, Lois Lane. And I'm like, no, no, not Lois Lane. It's Teshmacher, the one who saved Superman. They're like, oh, I kind of remember. I'm like, ah. You know? Yeah. Crazy. And what a a life. Before we get into some of the things covered in the movie, um, was it your idea initially to do this documentary after doing something with David Arquette? Were you like... I, I think this 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 has some feet under it, and um, I think people are going to really appreciate this. Um, whose idea was it, uh, you know, the genesis for this project? Well, for years there, and this is, this is, I met her in 2006, so, you know, in, you know, somewhere around there before, you know, I, I kept saying, and this is before documentaries are like they are now. That streaming wasn't a thing. Mm. That, you know, none, none of that was happening. So documentaries hadn't exploded like they have now. You know, but I kept saying somebody should do a documentary about her. You know, I, I kept telling her that because she wanted to. She had. She was going to do a book at some point. She had all this stuff. She had you know uh, an outline and everything, and she just wasn't. Uh, you know, things kept coming up, so she wasn't getting any further with it. And then um, what happened was, uh, I would say, well, it was, it was around 2013, because that's when this other thing happened, and I, and I got thrown into uh, filmmaking, right, when I got that thing with David. And mm-hmm. What happened was she was going to have... Uh, brain surgery because she has Parkinson's. Well, at this point, they weren't really sure. She had essential tremors and Parkinson's. 
we'll get into that. But um, she was going to have brain surgery for that. And there's this thing called DBS, deep brain stimulator. And what they do if somebody has Parkinson's or one of those neurological uh, issues, they, they go into your brain, they put in a probe in, and then they, there's more to it. But anyway, they, it's brain surgery. Mm. And I, I knew at that moment, I was like, this is a once in a lifetime thing, you know? I was like, this needs to be filmed. So I literally, I borrowed a camera and I, I just took it into the hospital. Didn't, you know, I just kind of, you know, had it down by my side. It was like a DSLR, you know, so it looks like a regular camera, but that's how I, um, that's how it started. You know, it was just, it was an idea that was kind of floating around. And then when that one thing, when that surgery was going to happen, I, I knew that I had to, I had to get it. So that's how it kind of began. And to me personally, that that's probably the saddest, if not probably the saddest scene in in the entire documentary is, um, um, or maybe I'm I'm thinking of the scene where she had there was some sort of um so what happened after that that initial surgery there was some it was a medical term but she had uh, basic basically had no cog uh, no memory that was the scene that really taught she was like um she was looking at you and it was one of those things where i can actually relate as someone that um after a, a car accident i started having seizures out of the blue and for people that have never had a seizure um you know my roommate thankfully called the paramedics for me but i was sitting there and i thought i was okay but then they started asking me these questions that anyone should be able to answer like who the president was what day it was and my mind was just foggy and i could see this i i remember someone off cameras asking her to count to three and um just uh, speak to the 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 actual medical what what happened after this because it does have a a happy ending it does end up being uh beneficial to her in the long term but i know uh, almost a, how long afterwards did she suffer this this medical um, kind of uh, crisis? Uh, well, yeah. So she had she had that surgery, and then we took her home, uh, and it wasn't it wasn't long after that. I mean, like she wasn't home maybe might have been a day maybe i can't i can't remember exactly mm -hmm. but, um literally in her, in her brother who you see in the movie who's uh, a neuropsychologist so he you know he knows about the brain and everything you know, he's a doctor mm -hmm. and we got her home got her all situated and everything and then he calls me you know like i said a while later and he's like she 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 can't talk so literally all of a sudden like she she couldn't she just couldn't talk. He's like, we have to get her back to the, to the hospital. And luckily, we live, you know, a few blocks from the hospital. So, brushed her back, and, you know, she was having this episode. They're called uh, transient, they're called TIAs. That's, mm -hmm. the, that's the short term, or the, uh, the abbreviated version of it. And um, it's kind of like a mini stroke. They do different things to you, but um, she did, you know, it literally, she couldn't talk, and she, you know, same thing like you said, but like a seizure. You know, you can't remember what happened and all all this weird stuff. But yeah, you know, that was scary. I I that I shot that on my iPhone. Wow. And it wasn't for the movie. I wasn't thinking like that. Like literally, 
brother was like, you know, can you shoot that? Ask her to count to three or whatever. He was just, he wanted it so we could show it, show a doctor or something. So yeah, that was pretty crazy. And, you know, uh, she stayed in the hospital like another day or something. Then she, then she was fine again. And, um, I mean, that's like that whole, whole part of that. And then, you know, later on some, uh, uh, she had some issues, but, but that's what happened like right after the surgery. Yeah. And what, I mean, I mean, we, we went into one of the, the saddest part of the stories, but I mean, this, this is a woman whose life, I mean, it, I mean, someone should be doing a docu-pic of, of her life. It's an, an amazing story. I'm, I agree. I mean, literally, if people, if people could live 5% of the life she's lived, that would be a dream come true for them. They would, you know, that would be the biggest, that'd be like winning the lottery. She's done, I mean, you know, she was raised in Japan uh, after World War II because her father was in the military and he was sent to help rebuild the Japanese economy. So for like four years, like she was raised in Japan and, you know, she was a little Shinto dancer, which is the black wig and the white makeup and the robes. And, you know, the at the end of the little show, she'd pull the, the wig off and shake her head and this long blonde hair would come down. And, you know, this is Japan, like 19, you know, right after World War Two. So, you know, 47, I don't know what it was, but. You know, they'd never seen anything like this, you know? Like, the emperor came to see her dance. They came 400 miles. Right, yeah. around the streets of Japan. Like, from the beginning, like, Valerie's had this star thing going on with her, you know? She's just got that that inherent, like, artistic quality to perform. Um, and you could see the smile... And be, and that's the thing that I always remember going th- back throughout this documentary is that smile. That smile will just m- melt your heart. She always seems like such a sweet and just generally just a very honest individual too. Which I can't. I think it's a you know in, in living in in Hollywood. I'm sure you come across a lot of people that aren't that honest, but I mean, just like the, the interviews with her on TV and everything. Um, but I, even before, I mean, her, her life, even be, even like you could just, uh, a biopic of her life, even before she started acting would be fascinating. Um, yeah. she read, I had, a, no, I had a whole idea. Uh, I wanted to do like a, like a series, like a, like a, a series based on like her time in Vegas. Well, because you know, that's a whole another time. Like the, the glamorous, you know, you know, the '60s of Vegas are such a, you know, amazing um, uh, golden age of Vegas. You know, and she lived it. She was there. I, and I'm wondering, are you able to possibly? I, um, I mean, there was. Uh, we're gonna, I want to talk about the technical aspects of the film, but I'm just wondering if there were time constraints because I mean, she spent almost 10 years in Vegas. Do you have any, uh, some stories that maybe didn't make it into the documentary that you are, she wouldn't mind you sharing with the audience? Um, let me think for a minute. Um, oh, there's mafia stuff. I probably shouldn't say that. No, probably not. Um, there's mafia stuff. Oh, here, there's, um, this is a pretty crazy story. Um, so, 
so she, you know, she's asleep one night and in her apartment and she wakes up and someone's, someone's like trying to break into her apartment in the middle of the night. And she, again, like you're saying, there's nobody like Valerie, Valerie, Valerie does what she has always done, what she wanted to do, says what, whatever, there's no filter, she'll say whatever, but she's also the sweetest, nicest person ever. But someone was trying to break in her apartment. She had a gun. She whips her gun out. The person, I don't know if they were inside or not. They take off running. She's chasing them. Like, like, you know, on on the asphalt. Running after this person with a gun. And then one of her her neighbors that sees her and like, Valerie, Valerie. And and she's so, the adrenaline's popping. They're like, you're naked. (laughs) She slept naked. You know, that's the thing. Sure. She totally was running naked with a gun down the street. Like, like pretty crazy. And she'd scared a burglar. It wasn't like any, oh, like that, that fight came up and she just like, you know, she didn't think and, you know, went after him. I mean, I, that just speaks to the nature of her character. Um, and the tagline of this movie is whatever life throws at you, you've got to fight. Am I, or am I butchering? It's, it's, Right. And yeah, she's, I mean, that, those are just, I mean, that just speaks to, to the whole nature of her when it comes to fight or flight, she's going to be, she's going to be a fighter. And it seems to me that she's, she's always been a fighter. Um, something that I, I mean, amongst the, I was completely, I was not aware that she was a showgirl in Vegas and just speaking to what you were saying about her being very blunt, very honest, no filter. she, Oh, there's a there's a there's a, a scene in the movie where she pretty much says, "Yeah, I don't even consider myself an actress. I've always considered myself a showgirl." And I mean, yeah. I I mean that's just I mean, ah, there's so much you could talk about. One of one of the uh, just an absolutely tragic story that I didn't know anything about, and uh, I know that Valerie doesn't like to discuss in person, but the, I I was completely unaware that she was dating. Um, one of the guys that was involved in that horrible night with the with the Manson family, I that, yeah, yeah I mean everyone kind of know, and now especially with uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood uh, coming, you know that came out. People, it, it's once again the whole Manson family. Everyone knows about Sharon Tate and uh, the heir to the Folger uh, fortune, um, but I had no idea that she and and she was. I mean. She was lucky. It was just a matter of not being able to find someone to cover her shift that basically saved her saved her life that night. Yeah, yeah, no, she's. I've seen the documentary so many times, but I forget. I think, you know, because she tells uh, she does she doesn't tell the story. I think I think it pops up. It pop yeah, it pops up in in writing or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. But no, like she said it. Like I've heard the story. She was like, you know, that. You know, she inadvertently saved her life. That, that other girl. Somebody was going to do it, and then they they couldn't do it or something. Like take work her uh, work her shift. Right. I mean, there's so so many. I mean, we're going to get into some of the um, the the more recent um, things that have happened to her. But I mean, 
the the little stories about her career her uh, i mean early on just how she got the role in slaughterhouse five is just is just oh, funny that's that's a that's a story okay I mean, I, please share it with you if you want to share it please so here's what happened after i won't give too much away but after you know like eight years in vegas or something she had had enough, and anybody that sees the documentary, she'll she'll say something about it. <laughs> um, and so she she, I think she went to like south of France or somewhere where just to get away from Vegas for a bit, and then she literally went through all of her money and she was broke. And she came back to Vegas, I think, for a minute, but she she wasn't going to dance or uh, she wasn't going to be a showgirl. And somebody said, oh, you should go to Hollywood. You're really pretty. You could probably get into commercials or modeling. So she came out to Hollywood, literally, no no money. You know, I think she was on, like, like food stamps or unemployment or something. I can't remember. And a friend of hers was having a dinner party. When I say dinner party, I mean, like, a little small little birthday dinner party for somebody. And there's maybe, like, six people there. It wasn't anything big. And Valerie was on the phone talking to her boyfriend at the time and I want to say he was the manager of the Doobie Brothers he had something to do with the Doobie Brothers but she was on the phone with him and she was being really funny and snappy and quick and there was an agent that just happened to be there he said Who, who's that girl on the phone like oh that's that's Valerie and she got off the phone and he looked at her and he said you're Montana Wild Hat I think she was kind of like what <laughs> said, you an actress? And she said no. He's like, do you want to be an actress? And Valerie was like, her attitude is like, okay, sure. Right. <laughs> and then, you know, he's like, do you have, a, do you have any headshots? Do you have any pictures? She's like, the only pictures I have are topless from Vegas. So he took, you know, a topless picture of her, you know, from Vegas. And he went to the head of casting at Universal because they were trying to, they couldn't find the right girl for Slaughterhouse Five, mm-hmm. and they, you know, they looked over a lot of, you know, a lot of actresses, and they couldn't find anybody that 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 was fit the part. And they were also, I think, running out of time. And so, the head of the head of casting, her name was Monique James, and you know, she she got the photo, and then she had a, she had like a toothache, and she had to go to the dentist. So she took a, a big stack of pictures with her, so she could kind of keep working. You know, while she was waiting, she hits Valerie's picture, and there's a guy sitting next to her, and he's like, "Who the hell is that?" And she thought, "Exactly." <laughs> so they get Valerie to come in for an audition, and you're supposed to wear a two-piece bathing suit so they can get an idea of what your body looks like, right? Valerie didn't own a two-piece bathing suit because she had been in the south of France for six months, and the, the, the beaches are topless. Right. But she did have a piece of, you know, she had like a Vegas costume, so the boobs were cut out you know of this thing it was it was you know it was like this Vegas gear <laughs> so she goes in like that you know all the other girls are either you know too shy or they're sticking their chests out or whatever and Valerie literally just she, she was used to being topless like she could you, you know you could sit there and talk to her and like it wasn't a big deal like she didn't even notice she was topless right and so that um, that's pretty much George Ory Hill saw her her piece, you know, her her tape or whatever, and her audition was horrible because 
either there was a producer or somebody casting or something. They wanted their girlfriend to get their part, get the part, so they were giving everybody bad direction. And, oh. Uh, George Roy Hill just saw something in Valerie, and and that's how that started. And um, and literally, oh, that same casting director after Valerie, you know, did the movie and was you know later on they were like, oh, your your audition tape is horrible. We had to burn it where nobody would ever see it. <laughs> but. But an, another little story, uh, really quickly, is so she the first day on set, you know, here she is, she's never acted. She's on a sound stage. The bell goes off, you know, to kind of like start the day. And uh, can I say can I say a bad words? Oh, absolutely, us? yes, yes. Okay, okay. Um, so all of a sudden the bell goes off. She's like, "What the fuck was that?" She had no idea, like, you know, what a, you know, that's like the sound bell, you know, starting the day or, or you know, this, you know, scenes about to start or whatever. So, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, literally, it's one of those Hollywood stories, like, um, uh, oh, who was it that got discovered at Schwab's or whatever? Like, literally, she, you know, she wasn't trying to be an actor. She literally fell into it and she just had this, this, quality where you, you told her what you wanted she she could do it like she didn't have to go through a script and break everything down and and you know and she wasn't she wasn't serious like I, when we get into Lenny stuff I'll tell you about the phone call thing but you know if it could, it could be a serious scene and she could be like goofing off and having the best time two minutes before and then next thing you know she's in this heavy scene and she's bawling her eyes out about something, you know? I mean, that's, you're basically describing just a naturally gifted performer, someone that just can take very little direction or just kind of has this intuition already of kind of what a, a, a role needs. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. And, and also, like, a few days into shooting Slaughterhouse-Five, Universal offered her a seven-year contract. And this is like, getting at the end of the studio system of that. Right. But, you know, they saw something at that moment. They're like, well, we need to get this girl, you know, we need to keep her. And funny thing is, like, they they wouldn't let her take an acting class. Like, they forbid, they're like, you don't, you can't take an acting class because that'll mess up your natural, what you have naturally. You know, because you'll get in your head or whatever. So you know, they they wanted her the way she was. Wow. I mean, and that just I mean that just speaks volume to to her natural talent. Um, oh. And yeah. and another just I mean I don't want to be crude, but another one of her uh, natural. She's an absolutely beautiful woman, and she was the cover girl of Playboy nuts. Too long after Slaughterhouse Five, if I'm correct. Um, yeah, well, she she was in Playboy. Um, a f- I mean, a few times for sure. She wasn't the cover till um, that Superman cover. That oh, was she was the cover. So that was eighty one. Okay. Yeah. She was, but she was. There's. Oh, do you see the 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 first spread she did? Um. Arby Benton's on the cover. I want to say it's 
mean, I, I, I have it here somewhere. Okay. Because <laughs> my life is consumed with Valerie Perrine. Um, but I do, I have it here, and um, oh, the that that layout, and anybody that's looked her up, you've seen most of the pictures of it. Uh, right. Nude online, but it's just such a, it's such a great issue, and she's so beautiful, and it's, it's all about that, her hippie kind of gypsy uh, self, the way she is, and you see that in these pictures. Yeah. Um, oh, oh, one other thing. Well, you may you may be going to get to this, but just in case you, you don't, you know, do you know about steam bath? I was just about to ask you about this because this is um um where um this is uh, television history, and I will let you um legitimate television history uh, made by uh, Miss Perrine. So please take take it away and tell everyone about steam bath because I am familiar with it, and that was exactly what I was going to ask you next. Was it was a play written by Bruce J. Friedman, and they were doing it on PBS. They, they were shooting it. So Bill Bixby, the great immortal Bill Bixby, was the lead, and Valerie was in it. And this was, you know, maybe her second, the third thing, like right there. I mean, right again, the beginning of her career, and it's a great thing if anybody if you can find it. Uh, it's 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 an interesting watch, but it all takes place in the steam bath is what the kind of uh, premise of it is. And Valerie's in there, and she literally takes her top her towel off. You know, she's she's naked, uh, but she's got like a towel on the bottom, and then a towel kind of draped around her neck. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and she kind of pulls it off, and she she starts to shower off, and she turns toward the camera. You know, just enough. She swivels enough where you see, you know, you see her breasts. And she, at that moment, she became the first woman on American television to expose her breasts. I mean, and that's that's tell. I mean, making history left and right. This she is, and um, she's such a she's such a trailblazer. I mean, that's another thing that right. No, I mean, I, I think, you know, there was nobody like her in the 70s. She, again, she said what she wanted. She did what she wanted. She didn't, you know, she didn't have to have a, a man to, to, to make her whole or to help her through life. She was, you know, she was, you know, now you see these women and it's it's no big deal. I mean, it's amazing, but she was part of that genesis of, of women back then. Like, you know, she was about, you know, her body was, was she was proud of her body. She was proud of, you know, just just you know, being able to be a woman who could be on her own and take care of herself. She didn't have to have a man, but if she wanted a man, you know, she would love to be in a relationship too. Right, and um, she could probably have any man that she wanted at that point. Um, but let yeah, but I I just want to uh, just. Uh, quickly uh, going now on to probably I think coming up next is probably her most acclaimed role and for those of you who haven't seen the movie and um, after you watch the documentary I can't strongly recommend going back and either visiting or revisiting um, some of her amazing movies and uh, I think probably 
her her standout performance as just as an as an actress is is Lenny and um uh, talk a little bit about uh, the project of uh, of Lenny. Oh, Lenny's great. She actually before she did Lenny, she did do um a movie called The Last American Hero with Jeff Bridges. Oh, right, right. Is, uh, fun little um a NASCAR driver. I mean, it's based on a true story. I think was it Junior Johnson or something? But like, you know, it was originally like Lennon Moonshine and he got into stock car and she's kind of the what's the way to put it? She's not exactly she's sort of like a stock, stock car groupie or something. She likes the, the race car drivers or something. Uh, so if you haven't seen that one, that one's kind of, I mean I'll, I'll say that about everything she's done. It's like if you haven't seen it, you should see everything she's done um, just to do it, you know? But yeah, Lenny, um, Lenny was another, I mean, that that's, that's her most, that's her most, or her proudest accomplishment on film. Because she just, I mean, it's, you know, Bob Fosse directed it, Dustin Hoffman is Lenny, you know, it's shot in black and white, it's like, and the acting in that is like you literally, because you know it also has these things where it, it looks documentary style, where they're mm-hmm. like after the fact, and all these major people in the film are, are, are it's like an interview, you know, like documentary style. And you watch that, and you it literally looks like it's she's just a regular person being shot for an interview, right? So, um, but she goes through so many different things in that movie, from that thing of being just a regular like like a documentary type thing to, you know, she's, she's a stripper. She's a junkie. She's supposed to be a mom. She, you know, she, you know, all the, she goes to jail, you know, all that stuff. Um, but some of the, some of the cool stuff about that movie, um, I think there's some, there's some funny stories. Uh, I'll give you a couple of funny things and I'll give you a good piece. Sure. So, okay, so I guess it was Valentine's Day, and they were working, and I think it was, was going to be one of the shots where she's supposed to be stripping. So it was a scene they were going to do that day of, of, of like this, maybe the dance strip scene or something. And again, it's Valentine's Day, so Bob Fosse came out to her trailer, you know, to get her to, to something. And when she opened the door, she she opened up her robe, and she's, you know, naked under it. And she had shaved her pubic hair into the shape of a heart. She <laughs> says, I have a heart on for you. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, uh, yeah. and, you know, and, you know, and everybody else, all, once the crew heard, they all wanted to see this amazing Valentine. Oh, of course, know. right. <laughs> Um. Oh, I'll give you. I'll, let, me, let me go back. Like also, because she has a really big sense of humor. On Slaughterhouse Five, she is doing a scene when she jumps on um on Michael Sachs is the guy's real name. I'm pretty sure. Um, she jumps on his back, and then you know, right when she gets to Tralfamador or whatever it is, and what happened when they were shooting it? Like somehow he he accidentally she. When she they topple to the ground when she falls on him, and I don't know if his elbow or something kind of hit her in the in the boob, right? 
Okay. So the next day, the you know, she has a robe on or whatever, and, and George Roy Hill goes and is like, are you okay? How are you feeling today? Opens up her shirt, and she had, I guess, got the prop department or something to make, like, a little sling to go under her boob, like you, were, you had, like, a broken arm. Right. And he just, <laughs> George Roy Hill just broke up laughing and thought it was the funniest thing ever. But, like, that's sense of humor like when Bob Fosse had his heart attack yeah in the hospital you know and Valerie being Valerie she sent him like a life-size poster of herself nude and it's on the wall in his hospital room and he said more doctors are coming in here to visit me now and the whole time I've been in here with my heart attack, but they're not really talking to me when they're in here. They're kind of, they come to see Valerie. They don't come to see me. Oh, I was going to say, that's that's a way to, to, to give a guy a second heart attack. Yeah, right? Come on. Valerie, yeah. Talk, uh, like a nude thing of her then? Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, just that's 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 ama- that sense of humor, though. I mean, the uh, we've got a boob sling and... Recovering from a heart attack. Here you go. Here's a full size poster of me naked. That's, <laughs> I mean that if that's not the sign of someone that has a great sense of humor, um, I mean I don't know what is. Hundred percent. Well, the, the big scene in that movie, as people would always be like, "Oh, did you know you were gonna? Did you know you you were gonna be nominated or you know with this movie? Were you thinking all this stuff?" And she she wasn't, but she said there's a phone call scene in that where she's like crying and she just goes through all these different emotions, you know, in that one little scene. And I think they only shot, you know, they did like two takes of it or something. And when she finished that scene, I think I, I'm pretty sure I because I, I just went over a bunch of stuff. Um, I'm pretty sure, like, Bob Fosse was crying. Wow. And she, that's, she knew at that moment, she's like, okay, I'm an actress. Like, this is not just something, like, I can actually do this. And Bob Fosse said, you know, he said, she's the greatest actress I've, I've ever worked with. That's Bob Fosse, who at that point was, you know, huge. Right. Um, I mean, yeah, he he had done. Um, well, after that, he did all he did all that jazz afterwards and um, Sweet Charity, Chicago. I mean, so yeah, for that that's that's high acclaim coming from someone like that. Yeah, and, and, and that's another person who I feel that unless you you know either a cinephile or you come from like the dance theater world. I think Bob Fosse is somebody else who has been kind of kind of forgotten a little bit. You know what I mean? Because he, he didn't do that many. He didn't direct that many movies. No. But I think again, like some people, unless, unless you're, you know, a dancer or, or in in that world, you know, a lot of people just don't really know who he is because he died in '87, I believe. But again. Check his films out. I mean, like you just said, all that jazz. I mean, it's a movie about him having a heart attack. It's it's a, literally a movie about him. 
Right. It's um, and 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 that's kind of um, I mean, our, our, the goal of my my show is to kind of bring some of these movies that kind of get forgotten or overlooked or or performances and and stuff some more attention to reevaluation. I'm trying to change the negative connotation of the cult stigma and um I mean one of one of the things that I found just doing the show is I'm just discovering movies that I I had, you know, previously just gone just flew under my my cinematic radar and I mean th- that's why I I love having to talk to someone like you that's you know who's had experience with with someone like um with with, with Valerie who's I mean that's unfortunately the thing is you know is that if you don't know the name right away and if you're not familiar with something like Lenny or Slaughterhouse 5 but th- I can always get okay Miss Tessmacher from Superman yeah. and People, right and but I think that in doing so, it, I, it, it kind of, un, I don't, it underplays some of her other, her other work, which is, which is just fantastic. And something that I'm not familiar with, but I'm guessing that you are, um, W. C. Fields and me. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah there's some stories for you. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, well, she did that when. Um, she wanted to do something different because, you know, the, the the first few movies, you know, she's topless or, you know, those things. She was like, I want to do something different. And W.C. Fields and me is about W.C. Fields and I guess you'd say it's his mistress or girlfriend. And very, you know, so it's a period piece and very, very, you know, it's just telling this, this story about this relationship of these two people. And uh, I think Arthur Hiller, I think, was the director of that. Um, but hated Rod Steiger. Really? Okay. She, yeah, her and Rod Steiger didn't get along. Like, but she she was coming from you know having all this fun doing Lenny because you know with with. Uh, Bob Fosse and Dustin, you know, like having all this fun. Oh, here's another story. Sorry, I'll go back for one second. This sure. will show you what kind of fun she was having. Sure, go for it. One day, you know, they're shooting on location in Miami, and uh, she comes out, and Dustin, and there's a huge crowd of, of, you know, all these fans out there because you know Dustin's huge. Like they weren't, they didn't know who she was really, but you know, Dustin was huge at this point huge crowd of people and she she knew he was going to be coming out in a minute and she said all right everybody on this side when he comes out i want you to yell Robert de niro <laughs> and everybody on this side i want you to yell um al like al pacino right you know, because I guess, you know, at that time they were kind of getting them all confused, all these, all these guys. So he comes out and everybody did what she asked him to do. I think she might have got a few to like say Dustin, I can't remember. But, you know, they're yelling and he walks out with his script and he just all of a sudden, he's like, he throws his script down. He's like, where the fuck is Valerie? <laughs> and then they were, they were good friends, you know, uh, through the movie and everything and. 
but she had that she had that kind of fun. But on W C Fields and me, it was very straight and like she was shooting when when can happened, I guess. And you know, all of a sudden she was you know she was at work and somebody called or they let her know like you just won can. Wow. Which is you know huge. That's right. a huge a huge thing. You know, especially somebody who wasn't trying to be an actress, you know? Exactly, yeah. Thing. So she, you know, she, they tell her when she's going out to set so she gets excited, you know, and I think, you know, she got out there and she was like, I, I just won't can, I just won't can, I just won't can. And I, I guess Steiger just kind of looked at her and then he just started naming off everything that he had won. Every award or whatever. And she's like, it just made her feel so small. I mean, it wasn't like, oh, congratulations, you know, that's great. So that was all about him. Yeah, that that's just pure jealousy, you know. <laughs> from, yeah. from from a, yeah, it, I'm I'm the star here. Who cares about you? Right. So, yeah, they they just didn't get along, and I think you know, like her being so free willing and and just free and her kind of bohemian kind of spirit. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I guess she asked if, he, if she could borrow his car one day, drive it to the store to get something, and he said no. I don't know. They just didn't like each other. Arthur Hiller, they loved each other. They were great. Oh, okay. But, but, but yeah, the whole thing, the thing she didn't like was the, uh, you know, like the whole thing with Rod Steiger. Like, she just did not belong with him. And she also said, you know, she, you know, wasn't, you know, it wasn't her best work. She didn't take it as seriously. You know, she kind of was like, she wasn't really happy when she was there. There's actually a great interview um, uh, she did with Rex Reed. And, you know, he's there on set and, you know, it's it's crazy. Like, talking about all this crazy stuff going on. And he goes back to her dressing room with her. And she pulls out a hash brownie from, like, Marrakesh or something. <laughs> and she starts, like you know nibbling on it and she's like you want some and he's like no <laughs> and you know and she's you know it's she's still working she's like oh this should hit about the time i'm headed home you know so she was kind of this you know again this bohemian kind of free spirit mm-hmm. and um yeah she just uh you know she just didn't love love working on that movie so much well it's still i mean that that's too bad but i mean it's still a movie worth um checking out and um yeah it's totally worth checking out oh yeah um i I didn't know that story till you know i met her i'm like what is this wc fields right exactly um and uh i guess we're now we're coming to probably her 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 most known role i guess just because it became such a, a, a blockbuster was being cast as uh eve tessmacher um in Superman in 1978, a role that she reprised in Superman 2, 1980. And I would say that this is probably her best. I mean, like I said, just from when I talk to people, the name doesn't immediately ring a bell. I could just say Miss Tessmacher from Superman and people know ex- yeah. immediately who it, who it was. Um, yeah, 100%. Um, I mean, that is definitely her biggest film. Because she was in some great movies, but a lot of them were 
you know, they were smaller, even though they had like, again, like a Jeff Bridges or, you know, Jack Nicholson, The Border, you know, like things like that. But that movie is, you know, that was the first superhero movie. Right, exactly. And that's, I mean, every movie that everybody, you know, all the superhero fans out there, that's the movie that started it, you know, and and it couldn't have been done, you know, first off, you know, Richard Donner was amazing, but, I mean, if it wasn't for him and his vision, that movie wouldn't have been what it was. Um, No. You know, and then all the magical components come together, you know, finding Christopher Reeve and Unknown and and Gene Hackman and, you know, Ned Beatty and, and Marlon Brando's all, you know, all, you just look at that list of actors in there and actresses and it's like, wow, this is crazy. But, oh, one, one little note, they filmed that, they filmed that movie, um, they filmed one and two at the same time. Because what's crazy is, because I remember when I first met her, I was like, oh, Superman 2. She was like, I, I don't, that person didn't direct Superman 2. And I'm like, yeah, they did. Uh, Richard Lester. I'm like, she was like, I only shot with Richard Donner. Ah, okay. They shot all of, you know, they shot, uh, they shot those movies at the same time. Some people don't know that. And, and then I guess at some point, like, I guess Donner, you know, shot most of, of whatever he needed for the second one, you know, percentages but then I guess it was a disagreement with him and the Salkins or something and, and he left and that's when they brought in Richard Lester but Valerie never shot with that guy all her stuff was done already oh okay well that's it's interesting to me because I think Superman 2 came back into like the 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 pop culture lexicon um when they did finally re- release the Richard Donner cut was released yeah. uh, uh, 10 or 15 years ago which it's an amazing to do a, a, a side-by-side comparison because they are very, very different movies. And I know that she wasn't the only one that, I, you know, chose to kind of stick with Richard Donner. I think the same thing. I think Margot Kidder and Gene Hackman both kind of refused um, either that or put up a, a, a kind of a fuss when, when he was sacked and they brought in Richard Lester. Um, there's definitely a huge tonal shift and I mean because I remember re- I would re-watch and re-watch those Superman movies when I was a kid and yeah. I would just I just loved them I loved everything about them the, the, the performances the story I mean this like he's the first one is, is it's literally it's an epic yes I mean yes. I'm not just saying an epic movie but the way it's shot it's an epic I mean it's you know it's got the whole uh, you know the whole beginnings of Superman, but the stuff in Smallville, like that's shot a very certain way, and then it's just it's 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 just an epic saga. That first film is so so good. Everything is, and it doesn't. It still works. You know, it's not oh like yeah. Movie just years later, and you're like, eh. like you can put that movie in. It's a great movie. It 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 and everything looks you know it looks great. I mean that's the problem I think with some of the superhero movies nowadays because. We we did a um, we did one of uh, you know like a one of those autograph things um, uh, several years ago, and so uh, Valerie and I went. I would go with her on these things because she's like my mother. That's how she and I know each other. I can 
you know, we, we just, we've been, we've just been together forever. Basically. Right. And I would go to these things with her and, um, and Sarah Douglas was there and Superman fans, you know, that's Ursa, the yep. chick of the three villains. And, and we just became really tight. Like they, you know, they didn't shoot anything together. You know, they, they knew each other a little, but they hadn't really, have, you know, they weren't like, uh, close friends because they didn't ever work together. Sure. And we just really became really close in that movie, uh, on that, um, at that show. But what I'm getting at is that's when the new Superman had come out. People kept coming up to the tables like, oh, what do you have? And they were like, we haven't seen it. So we literally, we went to see it while we were there. So it was me, Valerie, and Sarah Douglas, and a couple of people that we kind of befriended from the, from the show. And we all went to see it. Man of Steel, are we talking Man of Steel? Man of Steel, yeah. Okay. The, the, you know, the first Henry Cavill thing in the, in the Superman world. Okay, I just wanted to and, specify between that and that uh, Superman Returns. I just want to make oh, sure we yeah, got a time. Yeah. So we're talking Henry Cavill, Man of Steel. Okay. Henry Cavill, Man of Steel. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I, I, I forgot about the other one. Yeah, that tends um, to, that, that, that happens a lot. <laughs> right? Um, but, so the next day, I, they had they had like a Q and A, and it was it was those you know, Valerie and Sarah, and people kept on like, "What have you seen it?" And they're like, "We actually went to go see it because everybody kept asking us what we thought," and they both hated it. Mm. Not because not because of Henry Cavill or anything. They thought he was he was great and you know gorgeous and all that, but to them, what was missing from the story was. Like that love part of it, like that. There's just something in the original Superman that like holds it together. Where this was more, not that it didn't have some love thing to it, but wasn't kind of like the love story. And and plus with all the the fighting, when there's like CGI, it was so fast. And you know, I mean, I guess that's more in tune with like comic books or video games. But you know, they they just didn't love it. And that's why, I'm, again, that's why um, I don't know why I'm telling the story, but. Uh, <laughs> They um yeah they, it was it was really interesting um how many people like you know purists like the original Superman you know? yeah I mean the I mean we could have a whole discussion about modern superhero movies but I think that they they're missing something there is just an inherent charm of those original Superman movies that is yeah. just there's I, I don't I can't really put my finger it just is such like a, a a combination of talents behind the camera and in front of the camera that just makes it like an uh, an endlessly rewatchable classic something that you can go back to time and time again and I I think that there's also the, there there's a lot more time was invested in those movies now it always seems to be well we've got to beat our competition they're coming out with a you know six superhero movies this year so we got to come out with seven and it exactly right does, does she have any interesting stories about you know some of the scenes that you know in bet- Superman um, there's 
one thing she would she would say about Gene Hackman because you know he you know he's so professional like he literally knows everybody's lines like he's you know he's you know one of the greatest actors right and you know I get and I guess you look at Gene Hackman you always think like wow he's such like straight laced like serious guy. He always looks gr- he looks grumpy. <laughs> Just like per- he has like resting grump face. Yeah, right. I guess it was somebody's birthday on set and he had had the bald cap on, you know. Mhm. You know, he, he didn't want to wear it, but he wore, you know, the scene with the bald thing. But um it's somebody's birthday and he came out he had a like a big candle on top of his bald hat. On the, on the bald cap thing, and I think he might have came out singing "Happy Birthday" or something like, like totally off the wall. Like wow. you wouldn't expect from him. No. Um, see, oh, another one. She, but uh, where she jumps in the water to save Superman. Right. Huge the whole scene. Thing in that, you're like, oh yeah. Believe me, that white dress. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we. Uh, she. She says that, that she, she had to drink like a bottle of champagne to jump in. Um, but I mentioned that to Richard Don because she was like, I had to jump in, you know, I, I don't really like to swim or, or something. But I mentioned that when I interviewed Richard Donner, and he was like, I don't think that's how, I wouldn't have let her jump from there. I don't think she, so, I don't know. She told me several times that she got, she got a little drunk to jump in. So, <laughs> her, her or Donner, who are you going to believe? Right. Um... And then I guess before we start talking about the, the the documentary, just one last movie because it has become uh, it's not a movie that I have seen, but it is a movie my my co-host has seen, and it has since garnered quite the cult reputa- reputation. Um, can't stop the music. Um, what does she have to say about that with uh, the village people? And I'm trying to th- who else? There was the artist, a- the artist formerly known as Bruce Jenner. Yes, yes. Yes, I do. Um, yep. Well, she she was directing it, and Valerie's thought on that was it was Alan Carr who Alan Carr did Grease. You know, he was the producer of Grease. Like he, that, he was that was the biggest movie. That was huge, right? And he, Alan Carr was a big deal. And they were friends, Alan and Valerie. And that's how you know she ended up doing the movie because he asked her. But he was also a manager. And one of his clients was Nancy Walker, and Valerie always said that, oh, she thought that maybe he hired her because 15% of what, or 20% of whatever he paid her came back to him. Oh. So I don't, I don't know, mm. but they didn't get along, really. Um, I mean, she was 
she she said that you know basically the uh, like the like I guess like the first AD or, or or the camera like I think the first AD she was like that's the person who ba- basically did the movie. She was like wow. She'd be in her, the, Nancy Walker be watching soap operas in her in her trailer or something. I don't know, but she stuck by that story the whole time. Um, I w- I wouldn't put it past people. I've come across quite a few. I'm not going to name the movies or the people here, but I've come across shows, movies on this this program that when I've done a little digging, I found out like who was really one person might be credited, but I mean you got to give the the actual credit goes to someone else. And and in case of can't stop the music, that might be for better or for worse. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, here's the funny thing. Uh, I'll give you a couple stories. Sure. Tell, tell you the funny thing. Like, um, it was Bruce Jenner's first film. Okay. And you know, um, I think she kind of, you know, she helped him a little bit, uh, as in, he never acted. You know, so I think you know she would kind of give him a little, you know, maybe a little guidance, or maybe a little pep talk, or or whatever, you know, because I mean being on a movie set and you're one of the lead people in it if you haven't really done it you know, it's, it could be it could be um, could make you nervous right um, but yeah I mean um, like she liked Bruce she loved the village people they used to they would go up to her house like on lunch breaks when they were filming and then you know she'd have lunch and they'd have all this fun and go swimming and you know I think at some point they might have said something like uh, the studio might have said Hey, you, you guys need to stay around here for lunch because it, their lunches kept getting longer and longer. You know, they'd go yeah. line and swim and da, 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 all that crazy stuff. Um, love the village people. Um, uh, you know, I know some of those guys because of her. I've, I've, met, I've met most of the original guys. Wow. But those guys are super nice. Um, okay, is there any. I'm trying to think of any big things on that movie. Um, I will say, she and I watched it uh, a few months ago because I kind of fast-forwarded through it one time when I first met her, and I'm like, oh, this movie's pretty bad. Mm-hmm. And then I, I got curious again, and so I got it on Blu-ray, and I took it over, and she and I watched it, and it's it's weird. It's it's literally a time machine. If you watch it, it takes you back to that moment and that dis- kind of disco-y thing. Because the problem with that movie, the reason it, it bombed so bad, was disco died in the middle of them making the movie. Yeah. So you know, the name of it was originally going to be called Disco Land. Oh, wow. And, like, literally Time Magazine came out with a, uh, an issue and it said disco is dead and they were filming that movie. So... Uh, none of that didn't help it. No. Either. But, but, uh, like I said, we just watched it. I don't know, a few months ago, maybe around New Year's. Actually, maybe around New Year's Eve, <laughs> um, on the Blu-ray, and uh, it's 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 just you know it's fun. You know, it takes you back to the simple time, and you know it's silly or whatever. But you know, you could see all these like great clothes of the moment. You know, so you get to see the village people, and you know, it's just this weird little like bizarre trip to, to 1980 it's like I think everybody should see it I mean do it have like a night when you have like some friends over making an event you know have some wine have some like fondue like the 70s and just just live it up and then you'll you'll really enjoy it and, I, uh, 
I think that's um, it, it's just one of those movies, and like you said, they were filming it, and it, I was just checking the years, and I'm like, that seems like the time that disco like was declared dead, and I remember there was there's news footage of people th- like they were having bonfires of burning disco records, oh. and oh yeah, they did, they did that one big thing at I think it was Met I think it was Met Stadium, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And literally had all these people. He said, "Everybody bring the disco albums," and they were. I think they were giving them or something or whatever. They were. They literally put them all. In, they blew them up. Right. You can see this. It's on. It's on film somewhere. But all these people, like literally, like thousands of people, came to like destroy their records, and they literally get blown up. It's crazy. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Sorry. No, I was just gonna say that it's just one of those movies. Um that I think was just a victim of its time. And the, 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 the way that it's weird that the way that certain movies develop a cult status, that we went through this time where, oh my God, you're, you're not cool if you like the village people. Then, oh, yeah. now it's like, yeah, I, like, I, it's cool to like the village people again. So it's one of those weird cyclical kind of things that happens. And, you know, um, it's just it's just interesting to me, you know, to revisit some of these movies. Like you said, it's it's just a time capsule. Like if you want to go back to that that point, of um, I would be I I would I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that a great double feature would be to watch uh, Can't Stop the Music and then a movie that came out in the in the late '90s. I don't know if you're familiar with it called The Last Days of Disco, which is um, it's a great kind of love story but it's it's taking place during the tail end of the disco period so that that wouldn't be for an interesting double double feature but um i'll tell you two little crazy sure crazy things as you brought up i thought you were about to say this but around that same time in the 90s 54 came out remember that i do yeah Valerie's in that, but it's almost like, it's almost like a, it's not a, a, an extra. She literally, but she had like, it wasn't like she, like if you're going to use her, it's like she should have some big part because she was, she was at 54. Right, yeah. You know, she, you know, she had met Warhol. She knew Halston, like all that stuff. Like she was, you know, she was around. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's what you were saying. That's like a strange, it's a weird coincidence. Yeah, those yeah, two was, those two movies came out. I think well within a very close range of each other, and I think Fifty Four kind of uh, shut out Last Days of Disco. And actually, if you go back and revisit them, I'm, I'm my personal opinion that I think Last Days of Disco is, is a better movie. But that's just, just my opinion. But uh, um, well, I, think, I think also wasn't uh, uh, wasn't Mike Myers Steve Rebell? Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, and you know, it was the comedy stuff, and I, I, I don't know. I think people might have been like, "Oh, okay." I don't know if they loved it or hated it. I can't remember. I, I don't think a lot of people liked it, if I'm <laughs> memory yeah. serves. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, the, the last thing I was gonna say about "Can't Stop the Music." Oh yes. Again, another, another one of these weird Valerie firsts. That movie was the first 
movie that won the first Razzie is the, the guy who invented the Razzies and it was just as a thing and I think everything about that movie was, was in some category I think Valerie was supposed to be she was up for worst actress and the movie was up for worst I can't remember all the things but the movie won as the, the worst actress it became, or the worst film because it was between that and Xanadu or something wow okay and there's another one like Xanadu same thing if it would have maybe maybe been done two years earlier or a year earlier it might have worked you know but, I mean it's so like weird and whatever but it's very disco-y it's very that moment you know if you miss that window then your movie doesn't work you know no um it, no you couldn't be yeah I mean certain movies just they come out at the right time and they kind of uh they secure their place in in, in our collective memories of cinema and other movies were just I just I think they're a victim of of the time that they came out and they certainly discover to be you know are worth a revisit and um, something like can't stop the music I mean it sounds like a a lot of fun even though it sounds like it's it's absolutely you know bonkers to have a movie if you just reel off the cast it's like the village people uh, Valerie Perrine uh, Bruce Jenner, Steve Gutenberg, and Bruce you're like, Steve Gutenberg, <laughs> right? Um, it's, it's a little bit of everything odd in it. There's actually a special they did, and I I have it. Um, I don't know if anybody has this. She, because I had to go through all her VHS footage to see what she had. And there's a special called, uh, is it Night of a Thousand Stars or? It's something, but it's literally a sell. It's it, it was promoting "Can't Stop the Music," and it was um uh oh, what's his name? What's his name? Uh, talk show host from back then, Merv Griffin. Okay, it's, it's you see beginning in the movie, like when he introduces her, the Valerie Prime that did all that. Yes, but that's from that piece, and it, it literally, but it's like a whole thing of promoting that movie and everybody's in that thing like Sammy Davis Jr.'s in, in this in this little special and, wow uh, I think Cher's even in it I think she's roller skating maybe the Steve Gutenberg or said bananas that thing sorry so, I just, it just made me think of it no that's Weird. no that's Odd. great I I can only imagine the hours of fascinating uh, footage that you must have had to comb through and um Let's talk a little bit about the documentary. I'm glad that we spent so much time talking about her early career because I think that that's a great primer for people to now check out your documentary, which is coming out May 3rd, correct? Yes, yes, May 3rd it's coming out, and it'll be on, let's see, it's going to be on Amazon, Apple TV, iTunes, YouTube, and Google Play. And it'll be, you know, a rental type thing. But also, there's, you can buy the DVD. And the DVD will be available on, I mean, it's available, it's available now. Um, uh, Amazon, and also, I think, maybe Walmart online. So, for all you cinephiles and and older people that, that don't, aren't good with streaming, we have DVDs available, babies. 
Oh, that's no, that's great. I'm still a fan of physical media myself. I, I do stream, but if it's something that I really, really love. Um, so I'm going to make sure that links for the Amazon order for Valerie, the DVD, the documentary, um, are going to be in this episode description. And uh, like the man just told you, available everywhere um, May 3rd, uh, pretty much everywhere. Uh, the trailer is available the trail if the trailer gives you just enough that you're going to want to check out this entire movie and this movie is so beautiful and i i I think it it it's just it's one of those stories that like you it's one of those actresses that you kind of you're kind of like i wonder what happened to her and Mm -hmm. it's 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 kind of a, a sad story um at, at times but i mean the most the most important thing is that w- who amongst us has not had to you know had someone in our life dealing with a, a, a deliberate a, such a terrible illness such as as parkinson's um and yeah. for her to yeah. be so vulnerable on like on on camera now um is just a testament to her her strength and confidence as a as a human being. Oh, I, I agree. I agree. When with all that stuff, with the Parkinson stuff, because you know you you it kind of gives you you know you see you see her decline. You see you know when she's still good, and you know you see this decline because that you know the movie. I wasn't in any hurry to like make the movie. If that makes sense, I just kind of was going kind of at my own pace, and also, you know, trying to reach out to these all these great people in the movie. But you know, you have to work with actors' schedules and whenever they're free and all that stuff. But all that helped because you do go on this journey with her, <clears throat> um, with her Parkinson's, um, and and you know, we talked about it when I was shooting. And I said, you know, as it's really raw, like it, what, you know, it shows, like I said, kind of this progression of the disease, but there's a part where it's kind of like a day in the life kind of in there Mm -hmm. where you see what, what her life is at at that moment. And, you know, it's, it's not glamorous. It's not, uh, it's not anything like that. It's, it's very raw and it's very revealing and, and it's very courageous of her to, to, to show that. But I asked her, I said, hey, you know, I think we should show this because this is what's going on with you. You know, what do you think? Are you, how do you feel about that? And she was, she was very open about sharing her battle with Parkinson's. Mm-hmm. Um, because she, she wanted people, she, she was hoping it would give people hope. Let's say, because a lot of people that have seen the movie, they find it very inspirational. Yes, yes. And it, it, it can be, you know, it can be going through anything. It, you know, it doesn't have to be Parkinson's. It could be another health thing, or it could be mental illness, or, you know, you could just be going through, who knows, I mean, a, a divorce or anything. And, you know, people have seen it, and they're like, wow, like, she's just so brave, and, 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 and such a warrior. Like, I saw that, and it just made me... You know, it inspired me and gave me hope. 
and that's what she wanted and so that was one thing when I got some of those reactions you know I, I knew that I knew that we we'd we got we had, we had succeeded in getting what she wanted on screen getting what she wanted out of that no, it's it, like you said, it is so inspirational because like you could easily, you know, it's insert whatever your personal um, struggle is at this moment instead of Parkinson's. And it's it's so real. And it like you said, artfully, artfully put, it's raw. And what you what you see is what you get. But. It always seems to me that, like going back to those earlier stories about her early career and early life, that's that's kind of always who she was. What you see is what you get. Um, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And she's, you know, she never shies away from anything, and she's, um, she is, she's a warrior. And another thing, and you, you'll you'll know exactly what I'm talking about is a lot of times when people in the public eye, celebrities, whatever, you know, if, if they're going through something, you just don't hear about them anymore. All of a sudden, you you know, they kind of vanish. Mm -hmm. or, and the next thing you hear is, oh, you know, they they passed away, they were, they had whatever it is, dementia or, or whatever, you know. Right. Um, and, you know, and, 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 you know, that's that's fine. Everybody deals with things the way, the way they deal with them, but you know, she decided to share, you know, kind of what she's going through with the world. Again, just to, you know, hopefully it would, it would just inspire somebody. Um, and, you know, again, that's just, I mean, I mean, to going from being one of the most beautiful, just, I mean, I'll say it, I mean, like a goddess. I mean, you see yes. a woman and you're yes. just like, you know, you would stop in your tracks. I mean, I mean, I'll, you know, I've seen every picture of her and I'll, I'll go through something and it's just like, my God, look at her. I mean, those eyes, that smile, just, you're like, there, there'll never be another, another Valerie Bryan. No. Um, and I think but, that's, I mean, what she's doing with you through this documentary too, I think is, is so um, it's not only brave of her, but it's also it's allowing her, like you said, to control her narrative now instead of yes. instead of after the fact, uh, you know, uh, eventually we all pass on and then all the all the news comes out. Like if you've been out of the public eye for a couple decades, people all of a sudden are going to be interested in, in what's been happening. But instead, she's she's owning her life and controlling her narrative and she's you know, kind of reclaimed the the way that people are going to, to see her now. And I think that's, that's amazing, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. Again, you know, it's like you just said, you know, people, when they pass away, then it's kind of like, Oh, they were great. And, and then you want to see all of a sudden you're like, Oh, I want to see that movie they were in. Oh, I, you know, I love that person. All of a sudden it's like their memories jogged and they're, there's this renewed interest, um, but again with her, you know, it's her, you know, just, you know, it it would be it, it would be that world of all of a sudden when that day comes and you know, 
we hope not anytime soon, but what are they going to say? They'll be like, she had Parkinson's. They'll, they'll dwell on that. They'll talk about her career a little bit, you know, like a, like a nice little piece, but then, you know, it'll be like, Oh, where has she been for the last, you know, 30 years? What happened to her after Superman or whatever? Right. And that's, that's another reason why I wanted to kind of do this. Cause I, I didn't want her to be forgotten. I wanted, no. you know, people to, again, jog their memory and, and, want to know more about her or introduce her to new fans or any of that stuff and uh and also you know if it would you know if uh, you know it, michael j fox is the face of parkinson's and he's you know he's amazing and you know he's done you know tremendous um things for that for that world and research and everything but you know i think you know some you know just somebody seeing this like oh wow like you know, she has this, like, I, I don't feel alone, you know what I mean? Like, other people have Parkinson's, you know, it's like, oh, here's a beautiful, strong, amazing woman, you know, like, she has what I have, and look at the way she's dealing with it. It makes, yeah, it makes it more relatable, people, it makes it more identifiable, and and, and, and I, I credit every celebrity that, that does put out an honest portrayal and takes takes that on uh, very similarly to what happened when, after Christopher Reeve had his accident and he he became the the face of um of of stem cell research and all, and yeah. all those sorts of progressions and i think that that's why watching this documentary is so i mean it's it's you crafted it so well that you don't need to have any sort of familiarity with her um, at the beginning, but by the time that this the movie is over, you're gonna feel like you've 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 known her all your life, and then it's gonna make you want to go back and revisit some of these these amazing roles that we just we that we just talked about. It's such an amazing life, and it's such an amazing story, and the the honesty, and I mean. Uh, and her bravery throughout all of this um, is just amazing. And I mean, you've got some great, um, some great people to, to to talk about what an amazing uh, woman she is and what an amazing performer she yeah. was. Um, oh yeah, I mean, I was really lucky to get. Um, I mean, for everybody out there who hasn't seen it yet, um, you know, it's got. Jeff Bridges, Angie Dickinson, George Hamilton, um, Richard Donner. Right. Before he passed away, um, Sarah Douglas, who was Ursa, uh, David Arquette, um, Stacey Keach, Lonnie Anderson, the great Howard Hessman, who we just lost. Yep. Um, and for you Supergirl fans, there's uh, Andrea Brooks, who became Miss. Hessmacher on Supergirl who actually uh, she's great like she I was doing a, a, a crowdfunding thing like several years ago and she came across it somehow and she had just gotten the part on Supergirl and she reached out to me and she became she became a really great friend and she they shoot that in Canada and she actually was in LA for something and uh, I took over and she met with Valerie and you know, it was a nice passing of the torch. Right. I really loved what she, what she's, what she was doing with the role, and she's a great actress. And they had this great 
this great little moment. And actually, a, a, a little tidbit, Valerie gave her a, a bracelet. I mean, it wasn't from in, um, anything. It wasn't from a film or anything. And I know that she, uh, I know that Andrea wore that on an episode of Supergirl. Wow. She snuck it in in the wardrobe. So it was a, a little a little nod to Valerie. And, and and so that was pretty cool. But yeah, I, I, I had some, I got really lucky with, you know, getting some great interviews. I mean, there were a few people that I, you know, that I was working to get and, either it just didn't work out with their schedules or it just didn't work out. Like I tried Dustin Hoffman. I tried every way I could think of. And I even had a couple of people that celebrities that, that, you know, knew him through other people and they tried for me. And I don't, I don't know if he ever heard about it or what, but you know, like I, I didn't get him. Peter Bogdanovich was going to do it. Oh, wow. And then, uh, and then, same thing because some of the what happens is like some of these people are like yeah I'll do it and it's like you know here's my contact you know call me in a week or whatever and then they get busy and there were people that were saying they would do it for like six months and then mm-hmm. finally they it, it just didn't work out you know their schedules just weren't going to do it but and then on the flip side of that I had some people that because it was going to be a feature to begin with and I changed it I decided it might be more powerful piece as a short, but you know, if you remember Alex Rocco, you know Mo Green from The Godfather, right? Like I interviewed him, like he 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 was a great interview. He said some great stuff, and then I wanted to use it so bad, but I was like, it just it wasn't a spot for it to fit in the in the shorter format. But I had I, before he passed away, literally, I think he died, and, and I didn't know he was sick or anything. Like I got him. Um, I got some Dick Van Patten stuff, and I ended up not using his interview. I just used uh, archival footage of him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like I, I had some really, uh, some really, really cool people. You know, uh, uh, Felipe Rose, the the Native American from the village people. I interviewed him. Like, wow. He's a really good friend. It just didn't fit in in that spot that I had. But yeah, I mean, I was really lucky though. To all these people were. It, well, I think that's so much about her. We're willing to, you know, to give me some time and, and to, to, to do an interview and say all these nice things. Well, so you, you, you chose the quality over uh, quantity equation, which I, I wish more film filmmakers would do because this movie, I mean, my, my only critique, I would have liked it to have been just a little bit longer, but this leaves now that you're telling me about all this uh, additional footage that, um, exists maybe at some point in the future we can get maybe an extended version or a part two or something like that because i i I think it's so great that we're putting someone that i mean if you look through her filmography there's not i mean compared to some other actors and actresses out there she doesn't have that many roles but it's the roles that she has that are just i mean it's like I again the quality over quantity. I mean, she's got some an absolutely amazing performances, and I well, it's just. And look at the director she worked with. I know, Holland, right? George Rooney, Bill, Bob Fosse, Lamont Johnson, uh, Richard Donner, Donner yeah, um, uh, Sidney Pollack. Um, right. I mean, she worked with like 
know, and she'll be the first to mention it too. But all these, you know, all 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 those great directors were also when you saw these great performances. Like, you know, Bob Fosse said, it's like, or no, uh, George Roy Hill said this. Um, she's like a sponge. Whatever you give her, she'll soak it up and give you exactly what you. Wow. Oh, so, that's yeah. She's she's just had this. I mean. Again, I mean, I know I see her several times a day. I see her every night. I'm the last person to see her every night. And, you know, there's, there'll never be anybody else like her with the whole package. I mean, right. And, and, you know, she was perfect for all those, all those decades that she was in. I'm meaning she was perfect for Vegas in the 60s. Yep. You know? She was perfect for Hollywood in the seventies, you know, and you know, and, and, and that kind of stuff. She just, I mean, she, she, again, it was like she was just literally created for those, for all these great moments, and and just again, the crazy life she's had. Well, it's so it's, it's so amazing, and and again, after this discussion, if you haven't checked out Valerie the documentary, I can't urge you enough to do so. Um, order the DVD, support this this filmmaker and support this movie and 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 also as we start to wrap up here i want to talk about um helping to support uh valerie directly um and we'll talk now about uh, how you can do so because uh, she has unfortunately um she does have parkinson's as well as an essential tremor am i saying that correctly um and just other other unfortunately medical conditions that comes when anybody gets older you know that your medical concerns are are, are greater so i'm going to ask uh, stacy now to um to to let my audience know how they can uh help out directly sure sure well i want to add one thing to that sure also, when anybody's a celebrity a movie star everybody everybody you just think oh they're rich they live in Beverly Hills. They live in a man. You know what I mean? You have this vision because of that moment in time, that what you saw, what they presented, you know? Right. And that's not that's not true with everybody, you know? And Valerie, you know, she's on a very fixed income, and which would be great if she wasn't sick. Right. But um, so there is a GoFundMe set up, and that all that money goes to to her for her health care and to help with um, uh, any of those kind kinds of needs for her and anybody that would like to give to that and I, I I'd love you to see the movie and all that but I you know if you could if you could um, if you could check out the GoFundMe and, and maybe throw a little something her way just to help support uh, in that battle for her and with that you can um, you can go to ValerieMovie.com and there's a link to the GoFundMe or if you just happen to want to go on GoFundMe and I think if you put Valerie Perrine in it should pop up but definitely if you go to ValerieMovie.com uh, there's a link and it'll uh, it'll take you to the GoFundMe and, and that's I mean from my heart and I know you know from her as well contributions are, uh, are are very uh, very much uh, 
appreciated. I want to say appreciated. Yeah, I kept wanting to say uh, respected. So it's appreciated and respected, and and you know it it means a lot. You know. So. Because, you know, it's just uh, you know, getting older, it's a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean. Oh yeah. For anybody, and and you know, um, but yeah, every little every little bit helps. You know. And all the, the all the links are going to be in the episode description. Links to get the movie on Amazon, iTunes. If you want to order a physical copy, if you want to do the the GoFundMe, all those links. We we urge you to like like Stacy said. So you know, if you, please see the movie because you're going to love the movie, and it's going to it's it's it'll touch you, and it it will inspire you, and it's a beautiful movie, and it's a beautiful tribute to this amazing woman, and uh, let's try to help improve the quality of her living, and it, every little bit helps, and all those links are going to be in the description, and um, I'm looking forward to, to this movie being out so more people can see it, because I think it was, um, it's an amazing movie, and I, I hope we, um, I I hope we see more from you, uh, Stacy, to in the future, as fellows uh, as documentaries go. Um, you might have you might have found your your calling in life. Oh yeah, I mean, it's weird. I mean, not weird, but yeah, like I said, I'd never I'd never thought about you know I never picked camera up in my in my mind. I was like, oh, you have to go to school for that. You need to. You know, and you have this you have equipment so expensive and all that, and I literally got thrown into it. And you know, this is my first, the first thing I've ever done, this documentary. And it was being considered for the Oscars, uh, uh, for the 2021 Oscars, and uh, which was a big deal. I mean, it was you know, it was in with like a hundred other movies that qualified. Wow. And it didn't get shortlisted, but just at least, I mean going that far with something and then sure crazy thing was i'd i'd say mm, i don't know several months later i get an email and it's from the academy and they are putting valerie into their um it's being added to their archives meaning that this film is part of the academy forever wow it's it's in it's in in their their permanent archive that's amazing. And with that, Congratulations. Thank you. I mean, but that's one of those things where you're like, wait a minute, I didn't even know this was a thing. What, right. what an honor. I mean, wow. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, I'm, 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 um, I mean, there's some other uh, documentary projects that I'm working on putting together, uh, you know, some like true crime things or whatever. I mean, this one's so special because she and I had that relationship. So, I know, I mean, I knew so much about her anyway, but, you know, I, I had all the time I wanted with her, you know what I mean? Like, right. I, it wasn't like, you know, somebody hiring a film crew and you, you, you're sort of following somebody around here and there. Like I had all the access to her and to all of her archives. Like I, I literally, everything you see in that film, that's from her, you know, uh, that, that's about her. All that stuff's from her except Johnny Carson, and that I, I had to go through the Carson people to get that one. Sure. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's why, I, you know, this was made with heart, I think. You know, yes. Bobby, it's my love letter to her, but, I mean, hopefully every my other stuff I do, um, 
has has such a, a great impact. But this this is definitely a special piece here. Well, I was gonna say just that you, as compared to some of the other documentaries that I've seen, this one seems it's very intimate, and I could tell that you this is Valerie, someone that you have a lot of respect, a lot of love for, and that's someone that you've spent a a great deal of time with. That you just you have this knowledge, and and it is it is I was gonna say it is just a love letter to her. And it's 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 great that this is happening now than, you know, after the fact that this is not so like she's still able to appreciate this. And I hope that this brings and I'm sure that it will bring more attention back to her um, and her incredible body of work. It just I mean, it it, it should be celebrated more. It should be talked about more. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's discover her or just get interested in her and um um it's you know something you said just uh made me think of this because i've been going through some stuff uh of um somebody may uh somebody's gonna write an article about her so i've been going through archives and and stuff that i shot you know just to see see find like good little tidbits and everything right Mm -hmm. and uh i I, I went through something I shot jeez this might be like six or seven years ago uh, yeah yeah about something like that and I asked her it's just one of these things we're just kind of you know just kind of chatting and I said why did you uh, why did you want to do this documentary and she looks at me and she says I knew it'd be good for you and I knew it'd be good for us wow and I, I'd forgotten that I had shot that since it had been so long. And I just, it, it kind of hit me and I just got, you know, had a little, like, misty eye. Sure, you know, absolutely. It's just one of those things. And, you know, I mean, again, and once you see in the film, like, her Parkinson's has progressed now. Right. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's more debilitating than it was before. Um, so, you know... That's one thing. This is me, you know, just saying this because it's on my mind. You know, when that day does come, I mean, I'm lucky that I have all of this footage that I shot of her, of us talking and her saying special things to me, and and all of her archives and photos and just everything like physical stuff that I can like pick up and touch and and all that. You know, or, or put a movie in. I right. can watch Lenny whenever I want. And there it is. There she is. So even though one day she won't be here, she'll still be here in spirit. And I'll, that love, I'll still feel that love. Right. I, you know? So I, that's, I'm very lucky in that regard. And I think that we, just as as cinema fans, are lucky that you've, captured this in, in a documentary for all of us to kind of to feel that that connection like I said you feel very I mean I've never met her um, our, our only interactions have been over through t- Twitter but I just after watching this documentary it's just like just wow like I just like you know it's very relatable like I said like you said and like I was saying just 
switch out whatever you know, switch out Parkinson's with whatever kind of struggle you're dealing with it whether it be medical or you know mental health or something but I mean we all struggle but I mean to see someone like her still fight and I just I, I, I can't say enough about this incredible movie and I, I thank you so much Stacy for taking some time to, to to talk this wonderful career to talk this wonderful movie um, any any last uh, things that you want to say about the, the documentary I think that if people aren't on board by now um, it, well they certainly should be but I, I can't think of anything else that we could possibly say to but um, please give this documentary um, a, a love and uh, watch it talk about it spread it around get the word out I, I think it's one of those things that word of mouth is going to be I, I think word of mouth is going to be a big deal right uh, follow follow her on Yes. Instagram. I mean, you can follow me. I'll give you my link so you can put that up. I mean, I'm more about her, but follow me too. Um, her 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 Twitter is way much more uh, uh, impressive than mine. Her. T- but, uh, I was gonna just say. Yeah, I, just, I think the whole thing is yeah. It's about like just just spreading the word and like if you see it, like tell somebody else about it. And um, you know, we want to make it again. We want to spread her. Uh, you know, spread her legacy. Legacy, yeah. It's the whole thing, you know. Like, I want her legacy to like live on and touch as many people as possible. No, oh, yes. Note, it's sort of. When you do watch the film, make sure you watch it through the credits. Yes. Um. I mean, I think everybody does, but for some reason, in my mind, I'm always like, ah, some people might. Oh, okay, I'm done. But there's a great little piece in the credits, and uh, it's. I'm not giving anything away, but. All these great people that I interviewed for the documentary, they they say their well wishes to her. Yeah. Um, and it's 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 really a little heartfelt moment. And and I will throw one more thing. I know we're wrapping it up. Uh, I meant to say it earlier. Sure. But as I was shooting all these great people, you know, I'd come home, I I you know I'd upload my footage or whatever, and then I would go over to her house and you know I you know I I take whatever I just shot over. You know, I'd be like, oh, look, here's George Hamilton talking about your, you know, Jeff Bridges or Angie Dickinson or, or whoever, right? And I think that, you know, you know, if you're, if you're sick, especially like if you've ever, you know, been sick, sick and, you know, and haven't had a lot of people around or mm. whatever, I would go and show her, like, the interview I just did. And it's all these, you know, these people saying these great things and, like, sharing how much they love her and how much she means to them and all that stuff so I think another um, another uh, great aspect of, of the documentary uh, like something that I didn't think about when we, when it was happening or not you know at the beginning of it was the therapeutic value of, of just hearing that when you might not be having a great day you know you, you're getting picked up a little bit you know when you hear somebody saying great things about you and how much you mean to them and how they love you, you know? Right. So that was a little side, a little side piece, but I, I wanted to add that, you know, I think that, that that was a, it was a good piece of therapy that, that I, you know, that wasn't exactly thought about, uh, you know, in the beginning of the thing. So it was like a nice, nice little offshoot of that. Well, no, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's great because yeah, like I, yeah, like you said, stay through to the credits because 
I, I, I like it because, you know, throughout the documentary, we get a lot of a, a lot of these um, of a lot of these people commenting on Valerie and her career. And but then um, it gets more it, it's more personal at the very end. Uh, that's all I'm going to say, because it, it's it's really something. And uh, I, I'm glad that we didn't talk too much about what's actually in the documentary, because I think that it really it stands on its own and it really is an important piece of, of, of cinema history that needs to be, um, rediscovered, uh, Valerie Perrine or Perrine. I'm, I always miss. I'm going to tell you, and she's said it all too. It's, it's both ways. People say, say it either or, um, but mostly it's Perrine. Okay. Okay. That's easy way to remember it. Or um, for a minute there, I guess we're calling her the clean Miss Perrine, but it's Perrine. I like the divine Miss Perrine. That's very, yeah, that's so much like, there's movie star for you. Yeah. Um, Stacy, thank you so much for joining me here in the cult film companion. Um, And, and all my best to you and to Valerie and, uh, all the links for the GoFundMe for the movie are going to be in the episode description. Please check out this documentary. It's it will it will move you. It, it will inspire you, and it is a love letter to a, an actress um, that's still with us. So let's let's keep her um, legacy alive. Um, uh, Stacy, I'll let you have the last words here. Yeah. No. Thank you for having me. And yeah, I, I appreciate everybody. Um, listening and yeah go watch the movie I think it's a great movie even, even if it wasn't my movie and I, I just saw it I would have the same opinion I think it's a fantastic film and uh, I think you know there's something in it for everyone and uh, yeah just give it a watch and uh, and hey let me know what you think you know if you watch it like put a uh, put a review up on Amazon or or uh let me know on Instagram or, or let Valerie know on Twitter or any of those things, like send a message because, you know, people, we love to, we love to have that interaction. Like, how did it make you feel? I mean, that's a huge thing for me. Yeah. And so, if yeah, you're, let us know, reach out. if you're not following Valerie on, uh, on Twitter and on Instagram, you're missing out. She is always, and she just digs up these little tidbits from her, from her cinematic past that stuff you probably wouldn't see any anywhere else. So please follow her on Twitter and, and, and show her that she is still loved and that we still remember her. Uh, Stacy, again, thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate this.